Podcast. The Gospel according to Matthew was written by a former tax collector who was transformed by the power of Christ. Instead of keeping records for Rome, now he would keep records for God, carefully recording all that Jesus said and did. Matthew references more than 60 Old Testament prophecies, proving Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah. Jesus really is who he claimed to be, our Savior and soon returning King. Now let's join Pastor Ross with our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Matthew. All right, everybody. I welcome you back. It is that time to dig back into the Word of God. And as many of you know, for the season of Passover slash Resurrection Sunday, uh, we are back in Passion Week, uh, taking a break from our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. We shall return after Easter. But right now we're in Matthew 21, making our way, and we're going to pick up today where we left off. Father, now we take a moment and ask your spirit to quiet our hearts and our minds so that we could receive this God-breathed word. It's life. We can't live by just eating. You told us that. We'll die without every word that comes out of your mouth. So may the words that come forth from the mouth of the Most High God resonate in our hearts to bring life. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. We've all heard the saying, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Well, I don't mean to burst anyone's bubble, but I think we'd agree there's plenty of dumb questions out there. (laughs) As we'll see a great example of one this morning as we pick up where we left off, as I've been saying, Matthew 21. It's Tuesday, a Passion Week. We're a few days out from Good Friday. Good Friday for us, bad Friday for the Lord who will lay down his life on that cross for the payment of the sins of the world. The context for the dumb question here in the temple courts of Jerusalem, uh, there Jesus is teaching the word of God, which is primarily why he came ministry-wise. And uh, Luke uses the word he's evangelizing in those courts to capacity crowds who are, quote, hanging on his every word. And suddenly, while the Lord's in the middle of making one of his points, the bad guys reappear the religious authorities with their sourpuss faces, and they shout them down. They yell out a question, which is really an accusation and not a question at all, which is what makes it dumb. What makes it even dumber is that they're fighting against the Lord. Uh, That's not very smart. Amen? Amen? All right. So, yeah, the question is not a sincere request for necessary information. It's more of a personal attack, as we're going to see, cleverly disguised in the form of an innocent question. They've heard his claims. He's claimed to be equal to God. God in human form, John chapter 10 and verse 30, come to save the world. 
And they've seen the miracles that back up those tremendous claims, opening the eyes of the blind, healing the lame, raising the dead. They said, look, the claims are big. But if I can do what only God can do, then you better rethink your position on me. So, but they keep resisting these long-robed, self-righteous, very insecure and jealous men. And they love their sin more than they value their souls. And they choose to remain in unbelief. And just know that the Bible calls, whether you believe or not, an act of your will. You see. So for three and a half years, they've encountered the Son of God with this power encounter and this clash, power struggle. And uh, he just patiently corrects them and warns them and has some strong words for them, no, uh, no doubt about that. But they continue resisting him. And of them, the proverb will be true, sadly, if they die in their sins. Proverbs 29 and verse 1, he who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. And they're headed in that direction, but some of them will repent. And so uh, here we are now in the final days of Jesus' ministry here before the cross on Friday, as I've been saying Tuesday, uh, in the temple courts. And and the question is really coming, just so you know, uh, devised to trick him into saying something that sounds to the crowd like blasphemy. So, which was a capital offense to insult God with some kind of um, uh, spontaneous claim. Uh, and then they could execute him um, because of the blasphemy and uh, with, the, with the crowd's blessing. That's what they're hoping for with this public questioning here. And so there they are listening in breathless wonder to the unfiltered voice of God himself, the crowds anyway. They appear and they interrupt God's only begotten son, take him to task. So the men in charge have a question, wink, wink. But Jesus is on to them, and the Lord is going to answer their question with a question (laughs) and put them in the hot seat. And then he's going to go to round two, and it's his turn to ask the questions. Two different topics coming up here. Starting at verse 23, which appears now before you, Jesus entered the temple courts. It's Tuesday. And while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people are the part of the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, the religious Supreme Court. They come to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They shout out. It's public. And there are thousands of people jammed there for Passover week. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I've got a question for you too. And if you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. P.S. He's told them over and over and over again. So we've read it. We got the Gospels right. So it goes on. His question. Okay, let's talk John's baptism. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or from men? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he's going to say, then why didn't you believe him? But if he says... From men, we're afraid of the people. And Mark's account adds this, that they will stone us. They will kill us. Because everybody knows that John was a prophet indeed. Well-loved and well-respected. So they answered Jesus, "Uh, we don't know. Then he said, 
neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. You know, you just can't play games with him. And so, and now he wants to ask them a question. Another one. What do you think? There was this man who had two sons. He went to the first one and said, son, go and work in the field today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same exact thing. He answered, I will, sir. Yes, sir. But he didn't go. Which one of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said, aha, I'll tell you the truth. The tax collectors who you despise and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you guys. For John the Baptist came to show you the way to get right with God, to be right with him. That's the way of righteousness. And you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw their lives transformed, you didn't repent and you didn't believe the message. And so that's what is in front of us for this morning's uh, reflection. Questions, questions, kind of like a game of tennis, really, back and forth they go. I will say pickleball because it's all the rage now. And so two different scenes before us, note takers. First round, the question is about the Lord's authority, verses 23 through uh, 27. The priests serve up a loaded question, and Jesus returns the serve with a loaded question for them. <laughs> Love it. And then the second scenario, there Jesus wants to tell them a story, an illustration, and a question to help them understand what repentance is, what the gospel is, and how they're missing the whole point. So you'll notice right away the different motivations between the Lord and the sinners. The priests are hoping to harm him, and the Lord is hoping to save them. And uh, yeah, First Peter chapter three verse nine says, "Never return evil with evil or insult with insult." That's just not the way of God. The more they oppose Him, the more He loves them and is patient with them, not willing that any perish. He says in Ezekiel chapter thirty-three and verse eleven, "Truly, as I live, says the Lord, I take zero delight in the death of the wicked." but rather that they would turn and have life. So let the games begin, verses 23 and 24, now before you, I'll paraphrase. Verse 23, Jesus takes his place behind a pulpit. In the temple courts, they had platforms and they had pulpits. And uh, he's teaching to the delight of the crowds in the middle of one of his points, the religious big shots show up. What gives you the right to come in here and take over the place? Who do you think you are? Verse 24, Jesus says, okay, I got a question too. <clears throat> Let's make a deal. You answer me, I'll answer you. All right, so uh, note takers, the power struggle. And that's what's going on here, and it's what must go on in every sinner's heart if they're ever going to see heaven. Who's the alpha male? Who's in charge of your life? Who owns your life? Is it you running the show, or is it the one who created you laid down his life to save you, has gone to prepare a place for you. 
who's in charge. And the religious opponents here are really just having a temper tantrum like a spoiled toddler saying, you're not the boss of me. We're the bosses here. And in fact, they were. They were given delegated authority if they were, had right hearts to lead the people in, the, in Judaism. Uh, the Jewish Supreme Court, which they were members of, they were judge and jury and police. Uh, they had the highest authority in the land, but it was kind of a moot point because they were corrupt and they had forfeited really the right to be leaders because God gives delegated authority to serve others, to help and to heal and to lift up, not to tear down. He says, listen, the world likes to lord their authority over people by bossing people around, making them the center. But I am the Lord, and I came not to be uh, served, but to serve others and to give myself away. And so they've got it all backwards. And so this power clash that's before us this week comes to a culmination when they arrest him. It began 33 years earlier when their authority was threatened by wise men who came from the east with a message saying, hey, where is he? According to your own scriptures, you guys should know this. There's a baby who's born king. So their fathers surely have continued the story. Some of the older guys, they were around. They're waiting for all of this to happen. And so, yeah, game on with the power clash there. And let's talk uh, authority. Uh, Three years earlier, John the Baptist came uh, calling and broke a 400-year-long silence. And uh, his voice was reverberating through the wilderness. And he says, God's Messiah, the divine king, is among us. And then a voice from heaven when he appears that says, this is my son. God the Father, speaking about God the Son, whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. So who is Jesus? He has the backing and the authority of heaven itself. God's audible voice. And they know this. They've heard this. And guess what? Guess who who were at the baptism? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. These guys were there when the voice went off They know the answer to the question. They heard it with their own ears. Matthew chapter 3 says they were there. And so, yeah, this authority set Jesus apart. And the the scriptures say in Mark chapter 1, the crowds were astonished at Jesus' teaching because he taught with an authority not like the scribes. The scribes are the bad guys. The scribes were hem and hawing, always trying to give a politically correct answer, you know, and Jesus just spoke the simple truth that set people's hearts free. Jesus, when he spoke, he didn't speak an upspeak. Do you know what upspeak is? It's that new trendy way to speak. It's where the end of your sentences all kind of go up, and there's no such thing as a definitive statement, and everything just goes up and up and up. Because it's really bad to say something really is the way it is and end your statement with a period and your voice goes down. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not acceptable today because everything's in flux and everything's fluid and we can't really know anything. In fact, if you're a Supreme Court nominee, 
Oh, no. <laughs> Don't even start me. Who happens to be a woman, and she's throwing around the word woman, 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 and somebody interrupts and says, can we get you to define, you seem to be talking about women, women, women. Can you just define what a woman is? And she says, no, I can't. A woman says, I don't know what a woman is. But hold on, she said, I don't know what a woman is. (laughs) And Jesus said, have you not read that in the beginning, The creator made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined and united to his wife. And the two, the man, the woman, will become one flesh. And what God joins together, let no one tear apart. (laughs) Thus says the Lord, period. And he's also, now you've got me going, all right, and I'm going to blame you for this. He's also the one who threw around his authority like this. You've heard it said, do not murder, do not commit adultery. Yeah, we heard it said by God. But I say to you, what I meant when I gave you those commands is, is that you may not murder outwardly and physically, but watch your anger because that's akin to murder. And you may not have committed adultery, but when you do it in your heart, in the privacy of your own brain, guess what? You committed adultery. That's what I meant when I gave you the Ten Commands. That's authority. <laughs> that's authority. And the people loved it. Well, the people loved it, but not the common people. Mark chapter 12, verse 37. The common people heard him gladly. They loved it, Um, but the religious folks who prided themselves on keeping all those commands did not receive him well because they were getting to heaven because they didn't commit adultery and they've never committed murder. So they didn't like hearing the spirit behind the law. So they resented Jesus and chafed at his authority. So this is what's going on here and so yeah uh, they have a problem it's the the power struggle is growing more and more heated Uh, so two days earlier on palm sunday he rides in accepting the praises of the divine king proclaiming him the way he rode in on that donkey he is proclaiming himself to be the divine equal to god wonderful counselor almighty god everlasting father prince of peace that's old testament for messiah He's claiming to be God in a human body. That's authority. He comes down on Monday. He's in the temple flipping over the benches of the money changers, the tables, and kicking the corrupt merchandisers out. Now it's Tuesday. And they want to know, who gives you the right to ride into town? And when the kids are calling you Messiah, and that we say, hey, do you hear what they're calling you? They're calling you God's chosen Messiah. And you say, isn't it beautiful? It's God-ordained praise. It's wonderful, isn't it? What gives you the right? That's the two questions. They're really very similar. The first one, what gives you the right, really is, practically speaking, to come in here and take over the place. The second question is personalized, really. It's more of an outrage of saying, how dare you? Who do you think you are? So the question now, 
who gave you this authority, let me translate it for you. It means you don't have permission from us. You don't have our authority. We're the authority in this place. And yet we didn't give you permission to speak and teach in the name of God, let alone turning over tables and kicking people out of here. You're out of order, sir. You're a religious fanatic who's just a rebel, really. So now, here comes the, the they're going to lob a loaded live hand grenade to Jesus and say, tell us, we're all ears, especially this big crowd. We want to know what gives you the authority. Come on, say it, Mr. Son of God. Mr. Quote, I've come down from heaven. Mr. I and the Father are one. Tell them what you told us in John chapter 10 and verse 30, that you and God are one and the same. Say it. They just want to know the truth. Come on. See? The Jews are sensitive about this stuff. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. So go ahead and confuse them with your claims that have been a little on the subtle side, but go ahead and say it now so they can misunderstand you and the people who don't even like to write God out because it's too holy of a name. So they write G-D. That's how a Jew, an observant Jew, writes God today. Go ahead and tell us that you think you are God and you have the right. Say it. Just tell us what you're going to tell uh, Philip in John chapter 14, verse 9. Anyone who's seen me has seen God. Say it. Jesus is smarter than that. <laughs> He's on to them. And instead of answering the question, He's going to strike up a little bargain. Let me make a deal with you, fellas. I'll tell you what. Um, I'll ask you a question. If you answer me, then I'll tell you what I've been telling you for three and a half years, but I'll repeat it for you. All right. Yeah. You know what he is? We can go to the next slide as we get ready for that. Um, he's going to take his own advice. He's not going to cast the pearls before swine. He's not going to play the game. Instead, they tossed him a grenade. He's going to up the, <laughs> the ante and toss it back. Right? Why? Because Psalm 18 says this. To the pure, you show yourself pure. In other words, when you, straight, when you shoot straight with me, I'll shoot straight with you. To the crooked, you show yourself crooked. You see? So he's like, you want to play games? I'm, I love games. Uh, just heads up, you're going to lose. <laughs> you know, you're going to lose. And so there he goes. He says, um, he says uh, instead of me telling you where I get the authority, I'm asking you, uh, why don't you guys tell the crowd who love John the Baptist, all of that crowd, all of them, just about, have been to see John. Did you know in Matthew's version of the account that it says all of Jerusalem, all of Judea, and all of the surrounding region went to see John? So everybody in the crowd loves John, went to him, regard him as a prophet, and probably most of them, it was the Jewish thing to do. Let's get baptized. And they got baptized. So Jesus says, I want you guys to tell them what you think of John the Baptist. Let's just tell them. With the idea knowing that John the Baptist endorsed Jesus. You see. So he says, go, go ahead. 
tell him what you think. Was it from, and we got that right there. He says, uh, is he legit or not? So they get crazy and they say, we got a couple options. And notice the sidebar. The sidebar isn't, how do we answer this question honestly? No, it's how do we answer it for political correctness to uh, remain popular and keep our heads. That's what they're trying to figure out. They're just, Jesus called them a brood of vipers, a bunch of snakes. If we say the Baptist is legit, he'll say, guess you got your answer because the Baptist recommended me as the son of God. And then I must be legit too. So if we say that, we no, we can't say that. But if we say John was crazy and he liked to eat grasshoppers and uh, you know all of that, which he did, he ate locusts and wild honey. You know what's a guy to do? You need protein, folks. <laughs> the honey really makes it a special treat. <laughs> it just goes down so much easier. Uh, yeah, so. Let's, we can't, we can't say, uh, you know, we can't say he's legit. We can't say he's not legit. He's got us. He's got us again. Uh, so what do we say? We just say, um, we don't know. We don't know is not an answer, gentlemen, Jesus says. He outs them. That's not an answer. So since you're refusing to answer, then I refuse to answer you. There you go. Just... Really nice, he calls them out. I love what one writer said about their, uh, I don't know. <laughs> one writer said, I don't know is the go-to phrase for many things. To excuse your sin, to avoid telling the hard truth, to shirk your responsibility and dodge your hard, to dodge hard work. And all the while making yourself look good. That's the I don't know. Or, I didn't know. But here's the place that that will never work, before God. Because God who formed us, who knows the secrets of men's hearts, he knows that we know. He knows that we know. Okay, gentlemen, time for a new round, Jesus says. And we're going to finish up with this. He says, ready. i got a question for you. Verse 28 I'll paraphrase now since we've read it the straight way. <laughs> Got a story for you, boys. You're interested in what you think. There's this landowner. He's got two sons at home. He goes to, the, let's call him the older one, and says, son, I need you in the fields today, verse 29. Absolutely no, he answered. But later, he had a change of heart, same word for repentance. Same exact word. He repented. He regretted, as the NASB says. Yes, uh, dad also has the, let's call him the younger son, and he says the exact same thing to him. Uh, But that son says, yes, sir. But surprise, he didn't go like he said he would. Verse 31, okay, fellas, which one of these two actually did what the father asked? They said, the first one. Jesus said, that's right. Now listen carefully to this huge truth. Despised sinners like corrupt tax collectors and sexually immoral people like prostitutes whom you despise 
are storming through the gates of heaven while you guys drag your heels and are shut out. John the Baptist came to show you the way to get right with God, but you didn't believe him. But guess who did? The sinners you despise. And even after you saw how their lives were radically changed, you did not repent, you did not believe in John's message. So we'll leave that up there and now consider uh, we've looked at the question that intended to harm and now we look at the, the question that's intended to help them. There's no malice. There's no anger or retaliation. There's no, well, you know, I'm going to insult you now. It's, it's all in love. A simple illustration to show them uh, you guys are missing the whole point of the gospel. And it's creating this very weird, unbelievable irony. So get this. Drum roll, please, you guys. Listen to this. The most terrible sinners are going to wind up in heaven. And those who appeared most devoted and religious are not. That's crazy. Now, i got a little story for you. And if you can figure out, you are in the story. Gentlemen, you're in the story. Find yourself, figure this out, and you may wind up in heaven instead of hell. So that's what God's heart is for them, <laughs> that they come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. So the inspiration for the story is looking out, and what does Jesus see in the crowds? He sees uh, notorious former sinners waving palm branches, and he sees many of the religious guys waving daggers. <laughs> Jesus is like, wow, I got a story for you guys. There's this father. And he needs help with the family business. He's a vintner. And so common there in Israel. And he says the vines needed attention. So he asked, he's got two boys. They're working strong boys. And time to go to work in the field for dad. Here's the first son. He answers with, in the Greek, is very, very strong. No way. <laughs> it's got impudence and insolence and rudeness and self-centered and ingratitude. It's got all of the above. And the crowd gasps. Because back 2,000 years ago, you didn't talk that way to your parents. 50 years ago, you didn't. <laughs> now, you know... You talk to your parents any way you want. Up speaking. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, here's what he said, and I'm paraphrasing for him. I think it's only right. He says, hey, no way. I'm busy, Pops. It's as hot as blue blazes out there. He said, my friends are coming over to play video games. I'm just not feeling it. You got tons of workers. But would you mind picking us up a pizza on your way home? You know, it's a big no, daddy-o. All right. Okay, I think you got it. <laughs> but a little later on, through mama's tears, mama's prayers, grandma's prayers, or something he remembered hearing at John the Baptist's sermon, something about evil trees with evil fruit that get chopped down by the axe of God and thrown into the fire. Maybe he had a dream and he just woke up and, or a vision or something. He remembered it as, whoops, 
I think those fields don't look so bad after all. So he goes, he gets in my imagination, uh, goes and hugs his dad, cries a little bit, really, from the heart. It's like, I don't know what I was thinking, so self-centered. Uh, swallows his pride, and there's a gracious smile on his father's face, a wink from dad, a pat on the back, and off he goes into the field uh, with his father's favor. Second son, verse 30. Now for the other son, the religious one, the one who likes to boast of the father's business and how he is the heir to it all and how important he is to the operation. Oh, he loves to talk, talk, talk. So one day his father says, you know, I could really use your actual help in the actual field there with the actual real vines that need to be actually trimmed with an actual tool. <laughs> and uh, the young man stops what he's doing. He looks up and with great respect, he says, yes, sir. Of course, absolutely. On my way, sir. Uh, don't need to ask me twice. This is the guy who uses a lot of flowerly flattery. You remember Eddie Haskell? <laughs> Here's what Eddie would say when he's asked to go serve in the father's field. It would be an honor and privilege to labor in the fields for my loving father. No other place in the whole wide world would I rather be than serving in that vineyard of my beloved and gracious magnificent, magnanimous father. I made that word up, I think. Uh, but So morning hours fade away. The sun climbs high in the sky. The other workers could need a hand and they look around as the temperature gets hot. Where's the smooth talker, as the co-workers like to call him? Where is he? He's known in these parts uh, as a no-show. That's his nickname, No Show. Uh, maybe the joke is he doesn't want to get his white robe dirty, you know, so they're going to town with that. Another one says, he's, he's coming. He just texted. He said, on my way. And everybody laughs because he's always on his way. He's always on his way, but never arrives, ever, in so many facets of his life. The road to hell, paved with good intentions. I told, I asked first service, if you could interview one poor soul that ended up there and they're there forever now, and ask them, was it on your list somewhere to get around, to consider your soul, and what happens after you die, and what you're going to do with all of your sins? Was it on your list somewhere? Like, yeah, get around to hearing that gospel. And yeah, of course it was. It was on the list. I'm coming, I'm coming. It's good. We need more people like you. Well, I'm happy to hear for you. Said all the right words, but then that little heartbeat stopped. And it was time to go. So come quitting time, no sign of Eddie. Haskell. <laughs> and uh, dad returns home. 
And there were the excuses. Oh, Dad, I put on my work boots. Guess what? I got blisters. You can't believe how tight they are. I need more room. I went down. Guess what? They don't have my size. I had a special ordered. It's not on Amazon Prime. And so now it's going to be three weeks instead of two weeks. I think you get it. And so, yeah, I was going to go even with the tight boots, Dad. But you know what happened? The car is making this crazy sound, and it was so dangerous. I think I'm overstaying my welcome here <laughs> with the describing his excuses. But he's he's talk as long he talks as long as the day is long, <laughs> and uh, yes, pleasant sounding, beautiful, but at the end of the day, he just doesn't. So time for the painful. Uh, Realization and the moral of the story. So which son did what the father God wanted? <laughs> right? So he says, uh, the priests probably haven't figured out the punchline of the story, that they're the doofuses. You know, and I wrote down doofus and then I spell checked it. It's a real word. <laughs> and it describes them <laughs> perfectly. And so, yeah, so they answer him honestly. The first one, we don't know where this is going, but, you know, we'll take a chance because it's pretty obvious. And Jesus says, yeah, that's right. He had a bad start, but he finished well. It's about repenting and finishing well. Remember the lady, I just told you this, about, uh, she says to me, we're talking about the gospel, and she says, I was a Christian the whole first half of my life. And I said to her, wrong half. <laughs> wrong half. And, and furthermore, ma'am, may I correct your theology? You weren't a Christian your first half of your life. You know why? The definition in the Bible of Christian is you overcome and you finish. Everyone who believes Jesus Christ is Lord is born again to a life that is carried over that finish line by definition. So you thought you were, but by your actions of only living half your life as a churchgoer, you were deceived. And so, yeah, these guys are, are in for a story. Here's the bottom line. He's saying uh, society's losers are leapfrogging over you, the moralists. The guy pays his taxes and doesn't cuss or smoke or chew or goes with those who do. <laughs> there was a poem that we used to say like that. Yeah, everybody who's uh, a, a good guy who would say, you want me to have to repent to get into heaven like a prostitute? I'm nothing like that. I'd give you the shirt off of my back. I'm generous, I'm kind. Yeah, you're, you're, you're comparing yourself downward. Compare yourself upward to perfection and then you'll see, comparatively speaking, maybe you're a decent sinner, but at the end of the day, you're still a sinner and you need to do something about those sins. Someone's got to pay for them. And that's it. That's what's keeping them, right? So he looks up and he says, you guys are full of promises, but you never deliver. You never perform. But others in the crowd, he says, they heard John's message like Matthew, tax collector. See the guy over there? The guy with the pen? His name's Matthew. Some of you know him, you remember. Uh, even his mom didn't like him. 
You know why? Because he was a, a scam artist. He was an extortioner. He was a traitor. All he cared about was himself and money. Everybody despised him. But guess what? He's working for me now because he heard John the Baptist. He heard me. Same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And now what? He's using the pen not to, to, to keep records of how much money he's making, but he's taking record of this very scenario. He's writing word for word what exactly happened here so that it'll be in the eternal word of God forever. That's the former sinner who everyone hated. And I, right next to him, Miss Mary, step forward, former sexually immoral person. She had, quote, seven demons living in her life. Miss Homewrecker, let me introduce to you a woman who, Luke chapter 8 says, Miss Mary Magdalene contributed out of her own income to the ministry of the Lord. And they used to travel together, her and Susanna and some other women, and, and from their own means, and their own effort, they would organize the guy's stuff and do some cooking and then put some money in the offering. Former prostitute gentlemen, those two work for me and they're going to heaven. And you guys with the robes and the pious prayers and all the holy water and all of this stuff, you're shut out. They're going to be seated at the marriage supper of the table while you pious, self-righteous pretenders are going to be shut out. Don't do that. That's the heart of the matter. There's time. And maybe it was then that Nicodemus said, whoa, 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 whoa. Nicodemus says, I want in. I don't care if I have to humble myself like a prostitute or a drug addict or a drug dealer. I just want to be there. I just want to be there. And that's the heart of the Lord. What does it mean to do the will of God? Because that's what's so important. Jesus answered the question, here's the will of God to believe the one he sent. And from that, God gives us a new heart that we abstain from sexual immorality, that we find our contentment in him that we do right things and acts of mercy and all of that that follows, that shows that we really did trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit really did come in, and we are truly doing, not just talking, the will of God. Let's pray together. Father God, we, we know what it's like to do a lot of talking and want people to think better of us than is merited. We all struggle with that. And we pray, God, that we would just stop talking <laughs> and just be doing, just doing. Make sure we see that there is fruit on that tree and we are repenting and loving you and obeying, obeying your word. Oh, help us, Lord, to rest in your love and to know that you have made us your children, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.